Hey guys, it's Danielle. Welcome back to another Pure Root Wellness Podcast, the show that discusses natural and holistic approaches for optimal health. So join me down the path towards finding the roots to your personal wellness. Hey guys, welcome back to another Pure Root Wellness Podcast. I am Danielle. And the topic we're going to kind of go over and discuss today is absolutely one of my favorites. It is called leaky gut. And if you've ever heard the term leaky gut or you haven't heard the term leaky gut, you're going to want to listen to this podcast because truly, I think a majority of people deal with a lot of gastrointestinal issues and problems and they don't know why. They don't know the root cause of what's really going on. This podcast will delve into that. It will talk about issues with your gut lining, um, with the permeability. Again, we'll kind of go over all of these terms, but why is my gut not working the way it should? And your body shows you this, right? It shows you that you don't feel good after a meal or you're bloated or you have a lot of you know, flatulence or gas or farting, um, you're burping a lot. These are all signs that your body is telling you something is going on inside your GI tract and it's time to pay attention. So um, let's get right into it because like I said, I absolutely love this topic um, just regarding leaky gut. So it sounds awful, right? But what is it? Leaky gut is actually damage to the gut microbiota or the bugs inside the intestines. This incidentally causes increased permeability or holes inside of the gut lining. This in turn causes a release of noxic bacterial endotoxins, which are toxins that are released by actual gut bacteria. So you have all of these things going on, right? From your mouth to your butt is basically just pipes. And the lining of these pipes are very sensitive. They're sensitive to the foods you put in them, the chemicals that are absorbed in them, anything pretty much that's ingested throughout the day, bacteria, viruses, um, you know, they're slothing of that inner lining in the gut. It's sensitive to all of these products and compounds. And the reality is the inside of those pipes or the lining of your gut start to become irritated or angry. And ultimately, these bacteria start releasing toxins or dangerous chemicals that ultimately start poking holes inside the lining of that intestinal tract. That's the term leaky gut. That's in a whole, in a nutshell, kind of what's going on from a microscopic point of view. When these holes open up, you basically have a communication now between the blood and gut barrier. This allows for bacteria, antigens, toxic substances to actually pass through the intestine wall, which ultimately create an immune response. This is your body's way in a defensive way to say, hey, something has, you know, first there's a hole in in, an intestinal tract or a pipe that shouldn't have holes. And then your body's immune system says, okay, ramp up. Something's there that shouldn't be there. Protect, protect, protect. So you start getting this inflammatory process in the gut, in the system itself, and ultimately it leads to a syndrome of of kind of issues that lead down the line. And those symptoms portray themselves as clinical manifestations. So um, again, you know, you have 
burping and farting and bloating and, and, you know, poor indigestion. You're not pooping every day. Um, you're, you know, you're constipated. You eat something, your stomach is not happy with what you just ate, no matter what you eat. These are all signs that your body is trying to tell you there is a dysbiosis going on, ultimately leading to a leaky gut syndrome. Um, and you know, I'm not going to talk much about autoimmunity in this podcast, but you know, all of these, you know, antigens, um, or bacteria or, you know, little kind of microscopic products, I guess you could call them that start leaking into systems that shouldn't be your body. Like I said, is constantly revved up to say, okay, protect, protect. And that's sometimes where you can get some autoimmunity issues. But what really leads to leaky gut? So let's talk about this. You know, that's always the first question. Well, how did I get here? What happened in in the preceding years of my life that, you know, allowed the lining of my gut and this pipe basically to start getting angry and the bacteria to start producing kind of all of these bad toxins that ultimately started kind of microscopically poking um, holes or decreasing, you know, the barrier in my gut lining. Dietary choices are a huge one, right? And again, we all know this. I feel like I'm not saying something that doesn't kind of know, you know, garbage in, garbage out, right? I kind of always say that. But dietary choices are a big aspect of it. Um, you know, we, we, the royal we as, as a whole, um, you know, the United States, yes, but even the globe in general, but the U.S., we eat a lot of sugar, Sugar is just detrimental. You know, it's not a natural compound um, that your body likes and can utilize and can use beneficially, right? So we pump all this sugar into our body and the intestinal tract just says, I can't use it. I don't know what to do with it. And the bacteria, you know, they gobble it up, but they gobble they gobble the garbage in, they'll spit the garbage out. And ultimately, our intestinal lining pays for it. Um, alcohol, you know, we're big consumers of alcohol. Um, more so daily, you know, um, continuous use of alcohol. Um, you know, it's 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 harsh. It's, it's a chemical, right? Um, you wouldn't put alcohol in your eyeballs because your eyeballs would burn. Well, it's kind of the same concept of what's happening in the intestinal lining, right? At some point, it's going to break down that lining and cause issues. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about grain and gluten, um, you know, within the past handful of years and maybe some of the damage um, that grain and gluten can have on the intestinal lining. Um, that will actually be a whole nother podcast as well, just kind of talking about gluten and, um, you know, the byproducts of and what, how does your body respond. Uh, but that's definitely something that can contribute, um, you know, the research is finding can contribute to a breakdown in the barrier of your intestinal lining and cause leaky gut. And then dairy, um, you know, as much as we all don't like to admit it, dairy is a very inflammatory um, product and our body as adults um, don't know really how to handle, you know, the, the lactose and the byproduct of dairy and ultimately, again, our GI tract kind of pays the price for it. Um, other factors that can lead into leaky gut stress is obviously a big one. You know, we always talk about people that, and we've known this for decades, you know, oh, you've got a lot of stress, so you, you know, I have an ulcer because I'm stressed out. Um, you know, you're 
there's a connection between the stress hormones and the acidity of, of the lining of your stomach and the GI tract. Um, you know, there's been a lot of research in past years regarding this. So stress levels and kind of the indirect and direct impact that that can have on your, um, on your GI system infections leading to dysbiosis. So really lack of gut harmony um, is a big factor, right? You have, I hate saying good bugs, bad bugs, because there's not necessarily, well, there are bad bugs that can cause actual illness, but um, a good harmony between certain bugs uh, can keep that lining of the gut optimal. And when we let one side of, you know, the teeter-totter kind of get out of control with one bacteria and then the other bacterias that also help us with certain aspects of our health aren't thriving, um, you know, we've created a problem and a dysbiosis there. Uh, Systemic inflammation is another, um, you know, factor. Again, I look at this as what came first, the chicken or the egg kind of aspect, Did leaky gut lead into a systemic inflammatory process or did something that's triggered in your body systemically, you know, that's inflamed cause the gut barrier to break down? Um, It's hard to kind of say which one came first or the other, but there's definitely, um, you know, possibly a a connection or or a correlation per se, um, you know, between the two. We know that low stomach acid um, can really promote bad uh, leaky gut or, or you know, decreased permeability, having low stomach acid. Um, and unfortunately, one of the medications that we kind of hand out in, you know, the healthcare Western society are like proton pump inhibitors, which just do that. They reduce the stomach acid. Um, but indirectly, you may be seeing issues with, um, you know, causing again, a dysbiosis and a leaky gut syndrome down the road because of this low stomach acid. Toxin exposures are a huge, um, you know, kind of component. The pesticides in food, mercury um, exposure, BPA and plastics, all of these things that have kind of come about in our lives over the past, you know, few decades. Um, Things that really, you know, didn't exist as much, um, you know, again, some decades ago, and now we're kind of seeing some repercussions and ramifications of um, us as as a community. Uh, you know what we're putting on our on our um, fresh produce and try to keep certain bugs away while we're still ingesting um, that toxin exposure, and it's starting to um, you know show in in our body uh, from a clinical standpoint. Um, NSAIDs. When I say NSAIDs, Advil, ibuprofen, Aleve. We've known again for years, um, you know, these kind of over-the-counter medications, yes, over-the-counter, but still have a pretty profound, um, you know, dangerous effect on our health and what they can do to our body. They are not without, you know, again, consequences or side effects um, in that regards. Antibiotics, this kind of leads hand in hand with like infections leading to dysbiosis, but then us treating maybe those infections um, and the antibiotics kind of really mixing up our normal gut flora. Um, By all means, if someone or something on your body or in your body is infected, um, use those antibiotics appropriately. Uh, You know, we are told in the healthcare setting to be good, you know, antibiotic stewards and have stewardship, you know, with antibiotic use, um, not just throwing antibiotics at someone if we really don't know the source or, or what the bug's name is. That's really kind of, you know, or what we're treating per se, I should say. 
um, very important not to, you know, the overuse of antibiotics and causing issues within the GI tract. Steroids, I'm not talking about like pump iron steroids. I'm talking about, you know, prednisone and, um, you know, uh, dexamethasone, certain oral steroids that are used, again, sometimes for um, inflammatory processes that, uh, you know, chronic illnesses that people have. Um, but there is some form of uh, potential for leaky gut um, in that realm. And then birth control is also something we need to take into consideration, uh, you know, causing um, a, a direct line to dysbiosis or leaky gut. So the question really is then, how do you know if you have leaky gut? Well, I kind of touched base a little bit on this as far as like what clinical manif- manifestations look like with someone with leaky gut. But the majority of people, you know, they're coming in saying, I'm just bloated. Um, I have indigestion. I could go either way with constipation or diarrhea. Um, Fatigue, although a very broad, you know, kind of symptom, um, the fatigue is there. And that can really be led from, you know, a malnourished standpoint. The fatigue is coming from you being malnourished, you know, the gut lining is not able to absorb the nutrients and minerals and appropriate, you know, kind of, um, uh, you know, nutrients that you need in itself. So the fatigue is, is a broad one, but also kind of pinpoints a little bit, um, on, on the issues that may be residing in the GI tract. And then weight gain, weight gain is something that again, kind of a, a broad clinical manifestation, but, Um, again, your body isn't able to use the nutrients that you're trying to put into it. And ultimately the weight gain just keeps coming. Um, you know, kind of veering off a little bit because I do like to look at, you know, like I said, some of the evidence-based research behind, uh, you know, what is leaky gut and, and what kind of research has been going into figuring out, you know, is there a difference between this person's gut and this person's gut? And what if we did this in a controlled setting? And there was actually one study. They looked at human tw- human twins, which, you know, as you know, if you are in healthcare, that's one of, you know, the best kind of studies um, to have is looking at, you know, twin studies. Um, one twin was slim in nature. The other twin was obese in nature. And they basically took out the gut microbiomes, microbiomes from both humans. So they took out these gut bugs from both of these humans and they actually transferred it to germ-free mice in the lab. These mice who received the obese twins bacteria ultimately became fat or obese and the microbes from the lean twin kept the mice lean. So both mice actually had the same diet to kind of factor out the difference because that would be the next question, right? Well, what'd you feed the obese mice and what'd you feed the lean mice? They actually kept the diet the same as kind of a control there as well. And the difference ultimately ended up being the microbial diversity that was noted in the lean microbiota. So kind of a cool study. Like I said, a lot of good um, neutral kind of controls throughout Um, And again, it's difficult to apply this to, you know, you're going from a a, a lab mouse to 
humans who are living life being exposed to other types of again chemicals and and antibiotics and and um, you know over-the-counter medications and stress it's hard to obviously control all that but just an interesting aspect to kind of sit back and look and go huh you know it was just simply a transfer of bugs from you know humans to you know clean mice and we saw the issues that came down the pipeline from a gastrointestinal aspect or from a, you know, microbiota aspect. Pretty cool. So, and, you know, people then ask, okay, if I do have leaky gut or I assume maybe that I have leaky gut, how can I test this? How can I know for sure? The standard, really, for a leaky gut syndrome, the standard test is the mannitol and lactulose test. Both are water-soluble molecules that really the body can't use. Mannitol, I mean, these are just sugars is really what we're looking at. And mannitol is easily absorbed by people with healthy intestinal linings. And lactulose, which is actually the larger molecule, is only really slightly absorbed. So a person drinks the solution, one or the other, you know, they can both contain mannitol and lactulose, and urine is collected for about six hours. And the amount present in the urine reflects how much was absorbed by the body. So kind of a poor man's way of, of seeing, okay, how did the mannitol and the lactulose actually get absorbed within the body and you know excreted within the urine? A healthy test would show that high levels of mannitol and low levels of lactulose show a healthy intestinal kind of border. But there's, if there's high levels of both molecules, that indicates really a leaky gut condition. And... They can go even a step further in looking at that. If low levels of both molecules were found, this actually can indicate some general malabsorption of all nutrients. So again, it can kind of give you a poor man's way of down and dirty looking at, um, you know, is do you have some type of leaky gut um, issue or, you know, is some type of manifestation kind of happening where the intestinal lining of your gut is is being compromised. Um, so that's kind of the down and dirty, cheap and easy way, the mannitol lactulose test. Um, I personally have tried a, um, a at-home test with the company called Viome. Um, it was uh, very easy, very cool. It took a little while. It was kind of during the pandemic um, to get the results back. And I think that's kind of why, um, you know, with testing and, and, you know, mail and things kind of going back and forth. But I was truly impressed with the, how easy it was, A, but, you know, be kind of the information that got spit back to you as far as your body in general. Um, very specific, um, specific things talking about, you know, my short chain fatty acids and butyrate, um, all topics that we'll get to here in a minute, but, um, very cool company. Uh, You know, they have an app where everything was sent to the app and I could look at it at any point in time. Um, pretty cool. I, I, I actually enjoyed, um, looking at it. My husband actually did it. Uh, my mother-in-law did it as well. And everyone, um, got some surprising results, but, um, you know, very cool just to kind of look at. Um, your gut health and overall kind of um, immune gut health as well. There's another company called Everly Well. Um, they deal more with like food sensitivities, metabolism, and then like an actual gut health test um, that analyzes the actual micro- your actual microbiome as well. So some options there. Um, GALT is actually a part of IGI track and it comprises basically 70 to 80% of our immune system. And it's just kind of what you think it is, gut-associated lymphoid tissue. This is lymphoid tissue that 
resides in our GI tract. And it makes sense, right, that our immune system would really base our headquarters in the gut here because it's connected to our mouth, where a good portion or majority of the foreign matter that we're constantly consuming throughout the day is entering our bodies. So our gut lining is essentially, you know, a barrier that protects our bloodstream, just like we talked about before. Well, GALT, when working appropriately and correctly, will start to target and destroy unwanted organisms that have made their way into the small intestine. So when GALT kind of gets backlogged, high levels of inflammation are basically the result and ultimately end up causing damage to the intestinal lining. And some ways that we have also kind of found testing for leaky gut or indirect ways of saying, "Mm, you know, your brush border or your inner lining of your gut may have increased permeability. Um, One of the tests that uh, commonly has kind of made its way into the headlines um, within the GI system is, is testing for zonulin. And zonulin really regulates what we call tight ju- tight junctions in the small intestine. And the tight junctions are, again, kind of just what you think it is, a communication between the bloodstream and the gut and that barrier within the gut, um, almost like a, like a bridge, kind of. And when that bridge disconnects or doesn't communicate, that's when zonulin, you know, starts to kind of show up in the bloodstream and we sit here and go, huh maybe you have an intact, um, you know, intestinal lining or increased permeability. And really, zonulin secretion is induced by the presence of pathogenic bacteria. Um, So when we see elevated levels of zonulin, that may indicate, like I said, an increased intestinal permeability or a compromised brush border. Looking at lipopolysaccharides is also something that um, we've done in the past. It's a molecule that um, basically it's on the membrane of like gram-negative enteric bacteria. Lipopolysaccharide is, that's kind of like its exterior on the bacteria. And when lipopolysaccharides show up, you know, in the blood, this actually is pro-inflammatory. It starts to release cytokine, um, like immunity properties, when they see this LPS or lipopolysaccharide in high amounts. Um, and basically, an attack brush border prevents lipopolysaccharides from entering, or I'm sorry, interacting with GALT, um, thereby reducing the risk of systemic inflammation. So maybe just another useful marker in identifying leaky gut. Um, and whether that GALT interaction with the lipopolysaccharide is there. Actomycin is also something, um, you know, when tight junctions, when these junctions are compromised, again, when the bridge is not connected, um, actomycin, it's kind of a component of this tight junction, and when it becomes exposed, you start to see, you know, the actomycin leakage and exposed actomycin triggers kind of antibody production and degradation of this actomycin, uh, you know, junction itself. And if you can measure that in the blood, again, another marker that may say there's mucosal damage um, or increased in, um, intestinal pers- permeability, excuse me. Looking at immune globulins um, is also another kind of broad way, I should say, I guess, of, of, looking at leaky gut. Um, and immune, uh, immune globulins are really one of the major immune fighting molecules that's found everywhere in the body. Most people actually refer to them as antibodies. And I know given the past couple of years with the pandemic, um, you know, people have thrown a lot of terminology out um, in regards to the immune system. 
um, but immune globulins are actually antibodies themselves. And there's five distinct types of immune globulins. But when talking in relation to leaky gut, um, two um, immune globulins or antibodies that we can kind of look at, again, broadly give us an idea of maybe something that is going on in the gut would be IgG and IgA. And IgG really is something that primarily helps to protect against bacterial and viral infections and is the most abundant out of all of the five immune globulins. And IgA really is a surveillance kind of immune globulin. It works surveillancing the surface barriers. So the lining of the gut, the respiratory system, you know, these are all surface barriers. And sometimes we'll look at IgA and say, hey, you know, if it's elevated or off, um, together, you know, looking at kind of all of the big picture, there may be a suspicion for an infection or an autoimmune condition or something going on, again, in the gut itself that's causing, you know, barrier breakdown. So not really a poor man's way of testing because obviously testing itself and running the tests can cost some money, but um, just another kind of indirect uh, non-specific way to kind of start and say, oh yeah, we think maybe something's going on. We should delve a little further into this in regards to your GI tract. So now that we've kind of explained, you know, what leads into leaky gut, how do you know you have leaky gut? What are some ways to test for leaky gut? How can you yourself improve leaky gut from a dietary standpoint, from a potential supplementary standpoint, from a lifestyle standpoint? So with knowing this, we have to talk just briefly, and again, I know this is like a lot of big words kind of coming out, but this is kind of the root and the breakdown of, of what leaky gut entails. We have to talk about short-chain fatty acids. So what are short-chain fatty acids? Short-chain fatty acids, you'll, I'll refer to them as SCFA, a little easier to say, maybe not, I don't know. <laughs> but basically, they, are, they include acetate, propraninate and butyrate. And short-chain fatty acids are produced by bacteria in the gut during fermentation of insoluble fiber from a dietary plant matter. SCFA have been linked to health-promoting effects, which include, you know, reduced inflammatory disease, reduced incidence of diabetes, and cardiovascular disease. So, SCFA is very, very important when you're talking about health in general and health as a whole, but one type of short-chain fatty acid in particular, the butyrate, actually helps to repair leaky gut by modifying the junctions, basically, the, the, the tight junctions and the proteins. So this is one way you can increase short-chain fatty acid is by specifically increasing butyrate. Now, butyrate is produced by bacteria when the bacteria break down the fiber. So basically, this butyrate is what is released by the bugs when you feed those bugs good, wholesome fiber. Now, fiber, which is commonly or most importantly found in plant-based foods, is largely indigestible, meaning humans do not have the enzyme to digest and absorb you know, it, most fiber insoluble fiber per se. Thus, it passes through the colon or the large bowel. So in your colon, the fiber is then fermented by your gut bacteria, and it ultimately produces these short-chain fatty acids. 
So what is the take home on all this, right? Blah, 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 blah. Eat fiber, fiber, and more fiber, okay? In a nutshell, the colon bugs gobble up the fiber, release the short-chain fatty acid, okay? That short-chain fatty acid then actually helps repair the lining of your gut and ultimately can help reduce or even eliminate symptoms of you know, the bloating, the gas, the farting, the indigestion, the crampy feelings, all of these things, the weight gain, the, the fatigue, all of these things um, that have been showing up clinically in your body, manifesting, this is the way to do it. Fiber, fiber, fiber. Um, that's really kind of the take home in, in a nutshell. Now, butyrate can also do other things, you know, besides maintaining our gut bar- barrier and actually feeding our gut cells, butyrate can help suppress inflammation of the gut. It can boost the immune system. It can actually help to reduce appetite, which may help maintain a healthy body weight. It helps regulate blood sugar. And, you know, butyrate levels themselves have been high butyrate, I should say, reduced butyrate levels, I'm sorry, um, have been associated with inflammatory bowel disease, colon cancer, and insulin resistance. So looking at the research, looking at the you know, kind of connection between short-chain fatty acid, i.e. butyrate levels, which is all in fiber, and reducing a lot of these big issues, um, it's kind of a no-brainer, right? Fiber, very easy. Um, We as Americans suck at getting enough fiber. We just don't get enough fiber, period. So anytime you can consume that fiber, you're feeding the bugs, which are then the bugs are then giving that release of butyrate or short-chain fatty acid type molecules and helping to ultimately heal the gut. Makes kind of sense, right? Um, And just so you know, you know, I know there's always talk and confusion. Okay, what is soluble versus insoluble? Soluble is just that, soluble. It dissolves in water. Insoluble does not dissolve in water. Plants actually have both, soluble and insoluble. So it should be a no-brainer, right? Plants, just go right to plants. You don't you know, if you want the Metamucil and all the things that the powders you can put in your drinks for good, you know, pooping aid, fine. But the reality is the plants are what hold both. The plants are what are going to give you the best bang for your buck at this point in time. And interestingly enough, if you think about it, there's at least 400,000 plants on our planet. 300,000 of them are actually edible, which I thought was pretty wild. So us as humans, you know, we only have 17 enzymes to help our bodies break down fiber to actually get these short chain fatty acid benefits. Our bugs, okay, this is going to blow your mind. Our gut bugs actually have 60,000 of these beneficial enzymes. We have 17. These bugs in our gut have 60,000 beneficial enzymes to break down all of this plant fiber. It's not rocket science. Let the bugs do the work. Like, just by eating plants, you've allowed the bugs to do the work for you to heal your intestinal lining and repair it and make sure that you're getting optimal, you know, nutrition and and absorption of good wholesome foods that you're putting in there. It's pretty wild. I dig it. So again, take home fiber, plant-based meals are going to be your best friend. Um, we'll talk a little bit about like fermented food here in a minute and then plant diversity. You know, I always say this, like eating the rainbow, right? You know, you can't just say, okay, well, I woofed down 900 pounds of broccoli, boom, fed fed the bugs. The bugs like 
different plant diversity. Certain bugs don't care about broccoli. Certain bugs want some more apples and other bugs want, uh, you know, other types of vegetables or fruits. So eating the rainbow is really going to be, again, your best bank for your buck with really diversifying what the bugs will eat and diversifying what type of good byproducts these bugs are going to give to you um, as you're ingesting this food. But foods that actually help, you know, we talk about fermenting foods, right? Foods that produce bacterial fermentation um, and they actually have or enriched with short chain fatty acids, almonds, chickpeas, apples, garlic, asparagus. Um, You know, I already said broccoli, but broccoli is always a big one kind of, you know, I have a whole podcast on superfoods, but uh, broccoli really is something that has a lot of, um, you know, superpowers almost um, just with what it can do in the body. Uh, Barley, kiwi, tofu, tempeh, lentils, peas, um, green bananas actually have a lot of short chain fatty acid. So, you know, foods themselves, these are foods that literally just eat them and let the bugs do the work. Uh, If you're looking, you know, from a, and I say supplemental, um, there are some supplements that are just pure inulin, but inulin is a soluble fiber. It's a type of fructan, uh, generally comes from chicory root, uh, but there are certain foods that have inulin in them, and you can also supplement with a powder form of inulin um, that I have actually seen in the past. Um, I'm not, I've never tried it myself. I'm not 100% sure, you know, how well absorption is and things of that nature, but also something uh, to consider. Pectin fruits have a lot of short chain fatty acid potential. So the peaches, the apples, the oranges, the grapefruits. And then I will say, I don't promote a lot of dairy intake, but butter itself actually is about three to four percent butyric acid. Um, Butyric acid is, you know, butyrate. Uh, Ultimately, it kind of converts, you know, to. But um, knowing that a little bit of butter or even ghee butter, the ghee butter is something I've just kind of started getting into within the past six months. Uh, ghee is actually clarified butter, so butter that's been kind of simmered and strained to remove all of the water, and then they clarify this ghee butter, and it removes the casein and the lactose. And interestingly enough, it kind of makes ghee butter suitable for kind of dairy-sensitive people. So um, I ended up trying it about, you know, six months plus ago or whatever, and it was pretty bomb. It was pretty awesome, actually. I put it in a pan and seared up, you know, some tofu with it, and it had a real good... Um, you know, kind of just that buttery, almost like as weird as it sounds like, like, uh, the butter you get from <laughs> when I used to go to the movies and the butter that goes on the popcorn, that's kind of what it tasted like. Interesting enough. So if you haven't tried ghee butter, just give it a go. Um, it's kind of, kind of a cool little concept and you're getting the good short chain fatty acid benefit from it. And then kefir and yogurt. Um, you know, we all know that yogurt has good probiotic uh, mechanisms instilled in it. I worry about the sugar a lot of times in regards to, you know, looking at you you get this yogurt that has 15, 16, 18 grams of sugar and it's like, okay, well, am I eating good probiotic or am I just eating sugar? Um, you know, you may be offsetting with the sugar the benefits of what's actually in the yogurt itself. So sometimes with yogurt and the concept of yogurt, you have to go bland boring, i.e. plain Um, Not a lot of, you know, fruits that are instilled in it or added sugars. And then kefir, uh, kefir is really just fermented milk that can be made from any type of milk, goat, cow, coconut rice, soy, sheet milk. 
Um, and really kefir is just like a drinkable yogurt with more of like a tangy, slightly acidic flavor. So just some other ways dietary, from a dietary perspective on how to um, help leaky gut. So last little topic here, you know, supplemental support for leaky gut. And the big ones we talk about are going to be the prebiotic and probiotic. Prebiotic itself is just what you think it is. You know, there's always this hype of probiotic, probiotic. Well, prebiotic is the fiber. Prebiotic is the fiber that you are giving the bugs to eat. That is the food you're giving them to eat so they can produce the good byproduct that they need to produce for your health. Um, one product in particular by uh, Pure Encapsulations, I am um, truly in love with the um, product Pure Encapsulations. Um, I started, you know, really looking at their products a couple years ago, and actually it was before that when my father was sick. Um, they always had really good clean products. Uh, they're very evidence-based company. Their research is there. I know they do a lot of um, trials and research with big hospital entities and big uh, like medical universities. So they really utilize, you know, and, and are aware that there needs to be more research in order for a supplement to sit there and say, hey, I think this could provide some benefit for chronic conditions um, and aiding and helping people with chronic conditions. Um, I was just truly impressed with their product. And one of their products called Pure Lean Fiber, it actually contains a blend of prebiotics, which again are like soluble fibers, um, glucomannan, guargum, apple pectin, prune powder, and it also has insoluble fibers from cellulose, flaxseed, and ultimately this Pure Lean Fiber product um, they actually did research on it, a 12-week study, but it showed to promote weight management, um, basically not less hunger, regular bowel movements, GI tract, um, improved cell health in the GI tract, and microflora balance. And this trial that they did, or this 12-week, it was a 12-week randomized double-blind placebo-controlled trial um, where they found that um, bifidobacterium counts actually increased when taking, when the group that was supplemented with this pure lean fiber compared to subjects that were just taking placebo, the this type of bacteria um, was improved. And this type of bacteria itself aids in really maintaining gut hemostasis, or I'm sorry, homeostasis, and keeps harmful bacteria at bay. So there is research out there showing that, you know, feeding the gut good, healthy prebiotic, you're going to get the byproduct that you need and you're going to start to see the actual symptoms and clinical, you know, picture improve. Um, is that for everybody? Maybe not, but a good majority of the patients that were in the trial actually showed quite improvement. Um, so prebiotics, right? That's the fiber. Probiotics, again, pure encapsulation. Uh, I, I just can't say enough about their product. You know, they have 11 different probiotic formulas, which is huge, 11. Um, they cater to basically your microbiome needs. So broad spectrum formulas, acid resistant with pH targeted release, uh, probiotic targeted at your gut, and really immune formulated probiotics. So they've really touched base on each aspect of gut health using pre and probiotics to cater 
to what you need as, you know, a human and, and where you're at in the standpoint of, okay, my immune health, my immune gut health is just completely nil to none. It's time to ramp that up, but you have, you know, certain, um, you don't need some of the broad spectrum, uh, you know, probiotics that are available, just really, really cool products, um, that I've been truly impressed with. And I've obviously, you know, had the, opportunity to try a good portion of their products and I will continue to just because I've seen such a difference in my health and my gut health in general. Vitamin D, um, always, always, specifically vitamin D3, but vitamin D, you know, just we know it regulates intestinal barrier integrity um, and again helps to control the innate and adaptive immunity in the gut. Um, Pure Encapsulations, again, has two products, a PO and a tincture, um, with just good absorption. I've tried both. Again, truly impressed with um, the product and the absorption and kind of the research and evidence that they have behind their products. And then lastly, like L-glutamine. Uh, L-glutamine is, um, you would have to supplement with this. Uh, but can really help speed the repair of intestinal lining. So, you know, decreased, it, it improves decreased intestinal permeability, or I'm sorry, it decreases intestinal permeability, which that's what you want. You don't want your gut to be permeable and reduces inflammation. So it's just an amino acid, amino acid that has significant um, research behind it showing restorative properties really for gut lining and the track itself, especially during stress. So, you know, if where I think we're all going through a lot of stressful times with the pandemic itself and kind of all of the, you know, just worries and complications and problems that have kind of, you know, piggybacked off of this pandemic. So, um, you know, just another product that could help to not only hone in on your gut health, but um, specified during specific stressful times for you. So, and you have other enzyme formulas, uh, you know, that can help with your, you know, amylase, protease, lipase, all of these kind of enzymes to help your body digest carbohydrates, proteins, fats. And one other product that I love, um, typically I include it in my immune supplementation is Corsertin, which is a plant compound, really helps restore the gut lining, anti-inflammatory for the gut, but you can also eat, you know, apples, red onions, berries, leafy greens, tea, even red wine, friends, um, <laughs> and get that benefit of Corsertin and really help improve the gut lining. So... That, my friends, is truly um, leaky gut in a nutshell. Uh, you know, there's a lot more areas within this podcast or within these topics that you could just truly get lost in and piggyback in and, you know, go down some serious, awesome rabbit holes. But um, I think for me, this was the best way to describe in a whole, in a nutshell, what your gut is doing, what you're putting in, you know, the damage, do you have it, do you not, how can I improve it? You know, these are all ways and things you can do literally at home in the comfort of your own home to help try and improve your gut health. And I promise you, you will start to see a down trickle effect of benefits in your overall health once you start to repair your gut health as well. So of course, if you guys have any questions, comments, um, anything that you know you want to just chime in, anything else you want me to look into, I'm more than happy to do so. Um, I hope this podcast was helpful for you guys in understanding a little bit more about leaky gut. And I hope all of you are well and be well. 
Thanks for listening to another Pure Root Wellness Podcast. To learn more about ways to optimize your health using nutritional and supplemental support, visit my website at purerootwellness.net, where you'll find more videos and links regarding holistic approaches to your nutrition, supplement knowledge, and health topics. Be well, friends. The content distributed in this podcast is intended for informational purposes only and is not intended for medical advice.